Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. And welcome back to OsteoCast, everybody. Your hosts, Amanda, Sarah, Colby, back at it again on another one. Hey, guys. We got, Sarah, we got Sarah's phone beeping all over the place, but you know, it's all good. I'm so sorry. I don't know. How so to today we're going to jump on and we're going to chat a little bit about uh, perception of pain. So we all have had pain or we know about pain, but actually how we perceive it, not so much into the physiological side of it or the neurology of it, but the fact that your perception of pain doesn't actually mean that there's pain in that particular place and how the neurology works for it. So real briefly, just to throw it out there is it doesn't matter where in that nerve track or on that nerve root um, that there's an issue. So say it's a nerve that runs from your neck all the way down to your fingertips. That nerve may have an issue, a problem, a pinch or a squeeze or a twist somewhere on that pathway of the nerve, but the nerve itself doesn't have the ability to spatial awareness to say the pain in that nerve is at the elbow or at the hand or at the shoulder. And the problem can be anywhere down that line. And it depends on where your brain, how your brain actually perceives the pain. So you might be signaling that your wrist is sore where really the problem is at the elbow or at the shoulder. Secondly to that, excuse me, when you talk about the perception of pain is um, you may have different levels of uh, inhibition or facilitation, meaning that you're more sensitive or less sensitive based on the condition your body's in. So you could have a problem in your neck, for example, a, a creak in your neck or whatever you want to call it. And that could create a problem where the nerves are firing harder and faster and stronger, or even firing less. So you don't feel perception of different things. So a couple different things to consider. We're going to chat a little bit about some of those perceptions and how it works in the treatment room and how we look at it osteopathically. So just to clarify, Colby, you're saying that when I have pain in my knee, it might not necessarily be a knee problem. Is that correct? Well, yeah, to- yeah, totally. I mean, we can talk about the structural part of it, which would be that. And then there's obviously the actual neurological component of it where it can be along the, the root or the pathway of that nerve itself. I think one of the best analogies I've heard to describe this is that when you pull a cat's tail, the sound does not come out of its tail. It comes out of its mouth. So even though like those two things are connected. So um, what Colby's saying is that the pain doesn't necessarily come from that point of where the, where the sensation or the, the crick in your neck or the tweak is that feeling is coming from. Um, it could be for along any way, any, any part of that nerve pathway. Yeah. That was one of Dr. Still's lessons. The, the story is he walked into class with a cat one day and yanked on its tail and it yelped out of its mouth. And then he walked out and that was pretty much the whole lesson. But the idea, obviously, is that the noise is not where the problem is. Yeah. And it, that, again, important to go back to our principles. And that's why we look everywhere. The body's a unit. It's a whole structure and function are related. Absolutely. And then so what Colby's referring to as well on the neurology side is um, going back to the knee example. If you have pain in your knee, uh, why is that there? So if we follow the neurology up the line. Um, it starts from the low back a lot of the time um, and even can be a little bit higher up through the spinal tract. So our job as an osteopathic banal practitioner is to figure out 
why you have that pain and not always follow the pain, but really follow the structure and the mechanical function and looking at the neurology that leaves us there. And that's why it's so heavily important uh, to really understand your anatomy, understand the flow of the nerves, artery, and veins, because that's really your end-all and be-all to know how to help someone. And um, also from a patient perspective, to understand your body a little bit better and to know uh, that a neck pain isn't necessarily a neck pain. Exactly. I think, too, this is why it's so important that we treat the individual that walks into the door because you and I could both come in with neck pain and it's for two totally different reasons because there's so many factors that play into pain. So awesome. Um, Moving on to what types of pain or maybe what people would describe, what do you guys see most in your offices about um, how people are describing pain or what they're being told about pain or what they understand about pain? everybody's different. Um, I mean, there's always like of the list that you can go through, but usually people don't have a whole lot of difference in what kind of pain it is, unless you ask them to differentiate between them. Um, and I mean, of course the pain is important to us in, in clinical component, but again, we're looking at why that pain's present or where it's coming from, not where it symptomatically is present, but people will have pain that is sharp or shooting, stabbing, burning, achy, uh, it's there all the time. It's dull. There's all different kinds of, of describers that you can use for it. And some of them will give you an idea of what level uh, the pain might be at. If it's completely neurological, if it is superficial to deep or where that actual complication is. But I mean, it's so different for every person. I don't know. Like I don't have a, a specific level of system that's like, oh, if they have uh, sharp pain, it means this because it could be many things. And oftentimes they'll let you know that, you know, it's sharp in the morning and then once they get moving, it becomes more of a dull or even disappears and then comes back in at night or it can be completely different based on what they do, based on their repetition for their work, their job, if they're sitting all day, uh, maybe they do the same motion where they're lifting their arms from the left and overhead to the right, anything like that and any type of motion that's repetitive as well will often cause, not always, but could often cause a pinch in that area, especially if it's not uh, balanced in the sense of working body mechanics out. And again, if you work all day um, at a factory and you come home and sit all night, you're not creating that balance you need to get the body moving and to get all of those joints opened up and to let that nerve flow properly. So kind of back to our lessons as always is balance is very important for the body. Um, And when it comes to pain, you're going to, once we can get less pain in your body, that means better blood flow, better movement. And we need to find balance that you don't have to keep coming back for treatment and you don't have to experience that pain or at least a better level of that pain on a lower scale in the future. Yeah. And and talking about the, like the perception, um, obviously we nailed the two big things on the head where it can be anywhere along the pathway of the nerve, as well as pain can be perceived. This is the cat example in different areas of the body, even though the problem is elsewhere. And that's just looking at the body as a functional unit. And the other thing that people always ask about is where they say, I have a high pain tolerance or I have a low pain tolerance. So where does your pain tolerance come into play? And there are everything from psychological to structural to chemical issues with that or how things can change. Um, So oftentimes you'll see someone who has a high pain tolerance is someone who's dealt with a lot of stuff in their life because they've had that experience with things that cause pain 
and their body literally just becomes more, I don't want to say the word immune because it's not correct, but it deals with pain better than others. And then the reference point is also really different too, right? Because they have had more experience. That's what I mean. They deal with it and they feel it differently because of that. And then the relativeness of that is, is important because the pain itself is still pain. It's still a problem, but it depends on how they feel it. And it can go both ways. If you have a really high pain tolerance, that can be bad for you because you'll wait so long until, wait too long until you have to get something taken care of when you should do it earlier on because the pain is present versus someone who has a low pain tolerance who's constantly worried about little aches and pains and twists and turns when that's just their body moving. But the perception is obviously based on experience, but then also on their body's like chemical systems that send those signals. Yes. So if I were to play devil's advocate here um, and just from uh, experience in the clinic, uh, a few clients that have had a lot of trauma and are very sensitive to pain and I would say have a low threshold for pain um, and can only handle very, we say indirect treatments, but um, Mm -hmm. treatments on the much more gentler side of things. Um, so I do agree with what you're th- saying and when you have more treatment or part of me, when you've been through more, you tend to have a higher pain threshold, but that's not always the, it's not always the case. Well, and those two different components is that pain threshold generally is higher when you have that stuff. But a lot of times that's psychological because they've dealt with things worse before. So to them, it's perceived as less. And then what you're talking about, Sarah, in my opinion anyways, is more of the actual physiological component of it where because they've had those issues in the past or they've had other lesions or injuries in the past, their body literally is so tired from just trying to keep itself together and stay upright and walk and digest food and stuff that any little bit of injury or any bit of change overwhelms the body. So it has a higher, or like you can feel more pain or there's bigger changes with, with the same level of care or treatment or movement or exercise because the body's overwhelmed and can't handle what's being put in front of it. And then that's where you get the pain response or, uh, you know, an, an anxiety response or something along those lines. Cause the body's just overwhelmed with everything that's coming at it and it can't handle what it's getting. Yeah. So heightened nervous system, more yeah. sensitive overall. I would say pre pre COVID there were so many people in my office with exactly what you're talking about their their life is so overwhelming um and what they're dealing with whatever that might be that they don't know how to calm down they don't know how to slow down they don't know how to take a break to allow their health bank account to build up some money so that it has extra in there to expend on those things they're literally just surviving paycheck to paycheck for an analogy on how to keep their body going. Yeah. Like they just don't have enough there to do it. So all the things that we talk about in previous podcasts, but also if you're in our offices of taking care of yourself, balance, getting up, getting moving, all of those things play into that good side of the health bank account is also going to help that other, all the things that we're talking about now with perception of pain. Yeah. Which is your bank account gets filled with money and you got to work to do it. So sometimes you have to go out for a walk or somebody have to stop and read a book. Somebody have to go lay down and go to sleep take a bath, do some stretching, all those things add money to the bank account and, you know, work, exercise, like performance-based exercise, anything like that will pull from the bank account, injuries, et cetera. 
Yeah, Amanda and Colby, have you guys found since COVID um, the cases coming to your office? Do you find your clients have more balance and perhaps a different sense of heightened nervous systems or sensitivities compared to, you know, before March? I find with my patients um, physically, a lot of people's lesion patterns have changed because they're at home and spending more time at home. Um, and then it's a mix. I have a, a handful of people, a handful of patients that are better than they ever have been because they took that time to work on themselves and they ate well, they exercised, they made sure they got all their sleep, blah, blah, blah. And then I have another group of people who fell into an anxious rabbit hole worried about how the world was going to be or all the other components, you know, financing and not seeing their family and they're actually coming in worse than they were before because of all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the people that have literally been working overtime this entire time sitting at a desk in their house where they now don't have a drive or a walk to the office or a bike ride to the office or a lunch hour and they're quite a bit worse just because they're actually working more. But I would agree with Colby in that I definitely have quite a few people who their big global stuff has been totally cleared up. In general, their health bank account is so much higher and they're feeling so much better because they actually needed a break and they took it and they got the sleep and they exercised and they took care of themselves and they'll go forward changing, changing their lifestyle. Well, yeah, there's, I've had many patients that are, that have said that like they made changes over COVID that they're going to have to keep in the rest of their life, continuing moving forward once this stuff kind of slows down and changes because they feel better and they're, they're happier and they're laughing and things that they haven't been doing for a long time because they've been so overwhelmed. Yeah. And some of the people that I noticed that that's happened for, they didn't know, like they didn't know that they felt bad before that. Whereas there's a few people that I know that Um, you know, kind of knew that they were on their health bank account was low and they were, you know, exhausted and run down and they needed a break. Whereas I think that the bigger, the bigger change is really coming from those ones that um, didn't really know they needed a change, but have realized this has been really good. Well, and that tips tips to the high, low pain tolerance. It's the same idea. The people who are high tolerant, they didn't even know there was problems until all of a sudden they got that break and they feel better. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know that I was running at 50% of capacity because of these things. And then there's the other group who feels everything and knows. Yeah. It's the same, same principle, same idea, just in a different scenario. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's kind of in the same category, there's a group that they're just so used to having pain 24 seven or, you know, this dull ache in their hip that never goes away that they honestly forget it's even there until, you know, treatment happens and they start to feel better and they realize, oh yeah, I don't have to live in pain. And, um, you know, this pain tolerance I have, like, doesn't need to be an everyday thing. Like I should have days where I do feel well and I do feel good. Yeah, yeah totally. And from a treatment perspective, what would, how would that look? How would you guys describe how treatment would look different for those two patients? One who has a high t- pain tolerance versus one that has a low like just in general with pain tolerance or with yeah, specific- totally not getting into any spe- specifics, but wow, I can't say specifics. Um, not getting into any specifics, but just well, in general, what does that look like? You have to be aware of what they're feeling because that will, their body will elicit a pain response during treatment where it'll be difficult to treat, but you have to treat the patient for who the patient is. So if the patient comes in 
and they are doesn't matter high or low pain tolerance you have to treat what they need if their body's health bank accounts running low then you have to look at stocking that bank account up if they're having structural issues you have to look at that of course you'll have to modify how gentle you are or if it's a big global movements or small movements it just depends on what the patient needs at the time but either way when you have a low health bank account you should be looking at bringing that up which means taking away things that are costing money for the account if that's a structural lesion if that's helping with digestion or drainage of fluids but making sure that the body has a little more capability to deal with those expenses and when they're overly sensitive and you'll you'll tell by the tissues and of course their reaction as well on the table um like amanda said you just or pardon me what colby said you just want to keep their heightened system down keep their nervous system relaxed and uh build up their health bank account so um, you know, a more gentle approach. Often, if you start treatment that way for someone who's very heightened, you're able to provide a much better treatment halfway through because they're relaxed on the table, their body's calmed down, and they've actually given you their body and really set um, hold where they tell you they're not holding or they are relaxed. And you're like, mm, you're not relaxed. Like your leg is, you know, you're holding as tight as you can right now. And they often don't realize that they're holding this tension in their body. And they actually don't know what it feels like to fully release and fully relax on the table and uh, just give up control of their body to let treatment happen. And that's yeah, part of our job too as a practitioner, right? To allow you to feel comfortable and to give you that feeling yeah. of, you know, your 20 minutes of just to be there and enjoy treatment. Well, so sometimes that's conscious and sometimes it's not for patients, right? Sometimes it's just their response and depending on how facilitated or how sensitive they are, it ranges from full osteopathic care, I guess it's all osteopathic care, but full structural treatment to having the patient treat themselves, having them push their own body parts into the table and have them maneuver themselves into their own positions, basically so that they can have some level of treatment, but then there's no uh, touch or no force that's causing that that increased pain or them being uncomfortable or, or whatever that may be. Yeah. And part of that too is finding a, a comfortable for, position for them to start in, right? So often if I have an older patient in the office or someone who's in a lot of pain, it's about making sure that they're comfortable to start with. So if they say like, I can't sleep on my back, I'm not going to lay them on their back on the table because that's going to completely go against everything we want because they're already going to be uncomfortable to start. Yeah. So again, it just goes back to knowing your patient and giving them what they need. So we're capable of treating in any position um, as long as you understand the principles well. Yeah. That's a good point. No matter Amanda. what, uh, you're going to hear us. Go ahead, Sarah. No, go ahead. I said, no matter what, you're always going to hear us repeat, repeat, repeat. Like it's specific to the patient at hand. There's never a cookie cutter approach. Exactly. Um, and just regarding perception of pain, everyone's perception of pain is different. How you feel pain is going to be different. How your neighbor feels pain, neither it is right or wrong. It's it's how you feel. It's how your body is. And you know, if you're aware, you feel like you have a heightened pain perception, um, and you're curious about that, then talk about that with your practitioner, and uh, maybe you can figure it out together. If there's some reason that you have that heightened pain perception, whether that's an accident that happened a long time ago that your body's still holding on to, or or um, it's something else, right? You can work through that together and build your health bank account and see if that gets better for you or if you like where that pain perception is going. Communication is key. Sometimes it's not always easy, but it's important to be able to communicate openly with any practitioner that you're with. 
Yeah, completely. You're right. Communication is important. You have to do it no matter who you're with, right? Exactly. Awesome. Anything else you guys want to add? No, I'm good with that. I think that uh, if anyone has questions in regards to perception and stuff, obviously there's some detailed neurology you can get into talking about A and B and C fibers for pain and et cetera, but we're not going to get into that. But if you have questions, by all means, shoot it over to us at the uh, our Instagram osteocast underscore. And we're more than happy to chat with you or learn with you or whatever it may be. We're not all, we don't know everything. So we're more than happy to learn and hear your ideas and your thoughts as well. And we would prefer if you interact, actually, that'd be pretty cool if you guys reached out. Thanks for listening. And any suggestions or any topics you want to hear about, reach out to us. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.